hello. Welcome in. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Doc Talk podcast. My name is Chris, your host. Darren has the week off this week, so it's just going to be me. But we do have a very, very special guest, Mr. Greg Garfinkel from Calico Conservation. We're going to have a great conversation. But first, make sure to like us on Facebook at the Doc Talk podcast, along with Instagram uh, podcast Doc Talk. Um, and also don't forget to visit our website at pod or the doc talk podcast.com as well. Um, I know that's, that's kind of a handful, so bear with me, but, uh, anyway, without further ado, Greg, how are you, man? Good to see you. Good to see you too, Chris. Good to see you too. I'm doing very well. Just trying to brave the, uh, the Porter ranch winds, but other than that, I'm doing all right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, this weather as of late, it's been a little weird with all this cold weather. I think it was like 32 in Elsinore last night. It was, it was un- unreal. Yeah. I, I, I'm looking forward to spring now, but I'm a Southern Californian, so we can't complain too much. Still able to go out fishing, so it can't be that bad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Well said. Well, let's get into it, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're an attorney. You've got some really great interest in fishing and also in baseball too. Yeah, that, that about does it. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how far back you want me to go. I started fishing at the age of four uh, with my dad, brought me on a boat up to Cisco's on the, uh, the gentleman. And, uh, you know, p- pardon the pun, but I was hooked from them and uh, fished with my dad um, basically until he was 88. And he passed in, in uh, when he was 90. And uh, we just did you know, back in the days when that, that elusive albacore was around, you know, some of the best trips that I can remember with my dad was uh, going down to San Diego and fishing albacore on, on the boats down there. And even actually having our best day on albacore out of Port Wainimi, if you can believe that. Um, just grew up uh, fishing and in, in, uh, in, in judging the success of my fishing trip by the amount of uh, fish that I brought home instead of the experience. And uh, as time went on and then I uh, learned about uh, a little bit more about life, I realized that uh, catching the fish was just the icing on the cake. And it was the experiences that I had with my dad um, that, that really mattered. And that's what I look back and remember, not uh, how many albacore we caught or whether or not we got skunked or what have you. It's just the conversations and getting to know my dad in a completely different uh, capacity. So um Grew up in the San Fernando Valley, uh, spent my basically my entire college life uh, fishing on the sharpshooter out of Redondo Beach. May it rest in peace. Um, just, uh, you know, whenever I look back in life, I can I can remember fishing trips that kind of, uh, you know, delineate what was going on at that point in time. Uh, fished Loretto, Sea Cortez, Las Barrias with my dad uh, every year from when I was 16 to when I was 32. And uh, just have stories there that without pictures, nobody would would believe. So uh, avid baseball fan, practicing attorney for 31 years, uh, have two boys, a 17 year old and 20 year old. And I've basically passed down um, the fishing gene and the baseball gene and unfortunately the attorney gene uh, to both <laughs> of them. And uh, like I said, I'm making new memories with them and, and hoping that uh, you know, I'm around long enough to see them uh, uh, bring their their sons or daughters out onto the boat and, and, and create just a whole new generation of fishing. So fishing goes back in my family to the to my great grandfather who 
fished on the Ocean Park Pier and caught halibut and told stories that uh, I never believed. And and then uh, I started catching bluefin on uh, at the quarry in Santa Catalina Island and, and realized that they were probably true. And, and uh, fishing's fishing. It happens. Crazy things happen in every generation. So that's kind so, of me in a nutshell. Go ahead. Sorry. No. So for you, at least, fishing really has come full circle between you and your dad and now your sons. And I'm sure it's probably going to be full circle in the future with between you and your sons now, and hopefully your grandchildren in the future. That That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's my hope. And uh, yeah, I don't want to jump the gun. I know how much we're going to talk about calico conservation, but that's, that's kind of the impetus to, uh, uh, to, for, for the, uh, the um, renewal of the calico conservation group and just create an awareness. And uh, so that future generations and generations after that have an opportunity to uh, share time with their, friends, family, and, and, and others, uh, on the ocean, catching, uh, our favorite checkerboards. Well, let's, uh, let's get into it, man. How did you get involved with Calico conservation and how, uh, what made you want to kind of revitalize this whole brand? Well, I, I've been practicing conservation for a very long time, even before I even knew it was a thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, in the latter days back in, I mean, I remember fishing on, on the sharpshooter out of Redondo beach where the limit was 10 fish and the size was, was 12. And I'm like, why that, you know, why am I bringing home this much fish? I don't need this. So I was, you know, I, I put a five fish limit on myself back then. And then I got to the point where I just had so much respect for the fish, um, just for its fight. And, and, uh, because it's a California native, uh, that I thought I would take less than I was legally obligated to do. So I've always come from that standpoint and I've, and I've taught my sons that, and they kind of, you know, preach the gospel along those lines as well. So I, I come from that mindset. Um, and then I was just poking around Facebook and I, and I came across some vintage art, uh, which had a, uh, uh, a sticker, I guess it was a bumper sticker or a tackle box sticker or what have you of the Calico Conservation uh, Club. Um, and I was enthralled with the artwork. I wanted to see if I could get rights to copy that. And so I tried to track that down and uh, I, I tracked it down to its origin, but the artwork was no longer available. Uh, so I created my own and, and uh, started, um, you know, wearing shirts that had this image pressed upon it and, and got people talking. And, uh, you know, after that, I started making some shirts and, and the shirts that I, and sweatshirts, and I don't think I do hats, I do gaiters and, and things like that. Uh, with with uh, a portion of that going back to CCA California, and um, you know it's more a conversation starter. It's it's a uh, just trying to increase awareness of the fishing public and the general public of the importance of of the calico bass to this species that's only found on on our coast, um, and of its importance to the economy and for you know for for therapy and and for for all the good things that that fishing bring with it. And it's a very non-judgmental group. You know, we don't go and start uh, chastising people that choose to keep uh, fish, which is their legal right in California. And, uh, but we try to teach people the benefits of, of releasing fish and keeping only what you, you need. And, and um, you know, the slow to grow, so let them go kind of mentality. And uh, I'm very proud of my, my sons and they are very aware of it to the point where 
you know, we take great care no matter what bass we, we catch to, to make sure whether it be a spotty or a sandy or, or, uh, or a calico to, to make sure that they get back so that, um, you know, somebody can pull on them again in five years or, or, or even 10 years. Um, so it's just, it's more of an informational uh, uh, group, information without judgment. That's, that's awesome, man. Well, so it was kind of, it was started, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was started 20, 30, 40 years ago or something. And then you kind of just picked it up. Correct. Yeah. This was in the last two years that I've been kind of, uh, you know, re, re, uh, you know, making it rise from, from the ashes and kind of just getting something, a label out there to kind of spur, com- you know, conversation and, and, uh, and to increase the, the knowledge about, uh, you know, the, the, the life span of this fish that it's, that it is very slow to grow, uh, and, and the importance that it, that it is for the whole, uh, California and, and, uh, Baja California fishery. And what's actually even more encouraging from my standpoint, at least is, you know, the response that you've received in the last two years has been pretty good, you know, really just kind of conserving the resource and also, you know, just, just the ultimate brand where more and more people believe in that. Yeah. And I'm seeing that too, especially with my, you know, when I was 17, I was, you know, keeping them, I was keeping my fair share of them. And I've got a 17 year old who already gets it, you know, and his friends get it and his friends that talk to other friends get it. And you see it on, on Instagram and in the, uh, you know, all the, all the other social media to people taking pride in releasing the fish. And that's what we'd like to happen, you know, fill your bag with something else, but, uh, uh, you know, but, uh, try to be mindful of, of the importance of this species to, uh, to, uh, to California and to, to the families that fish in the waters there. Yeah. Well said, you know, since you kind of brought up the 12 inch, um, limit and how now it's currently 14 inch. I mean, I think I've, I've seen quite a bit of, of a difference in not only the quantity, but also the quality of fish since that limit changed. What, what are you seeing? Like, are you seeing a better, I guess, a better output from that increase, which was maybe a couple of years ago or whatnot? Like, do, would you happen to see the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, and it's also dependent on where you fish too. I mean, I fish a lot right. in Santa Monica Bay and there's certain reefs there that have, uh, you know, withstood their fair share of, of, of uh, pressure from the sporties there. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're pulling out, you know, even at the break wall and the, some of the break walls that we fish, we're seeing three, four, five pound fish um, in some of the spots out further. Uh, PV, I've been noticed a, lar- a much better grade of fish coming out of there too. So I think that the, that the trickle down is, is really uh, uh, helping out the fishery as a whole. So I, Oh, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. No, you're good. So I told myself I wasn't going to bring this up, but here I am bringing it up because we always talk about it. Cedros. Have you been down there before? Bucket list. Never been down there. Oh man. You should, I know we've talked at length on the podcast about Cedros and I'm sure our listeners are tired of hearing about it, but I mean, up here, I would say probably like a four or five pound bass is pretty big for Southern California. Um, there, I mean, it's, it's four and five pound bass all the time. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. I could just watch the fishing shows that are always flying down there and, 
and and dream and they're uh they're just such a beautiful color too they're, it looks like almost a different different uh uh species down there sometimes with the yellows and the browns and some of the orange that shows up on those fish too and um yeah they're just yeah it, it's a definitely a bucket list item yeah i would say you know just yeah definitely <laughs> that, that's all i can really say just make, make sure you go down there i know you're going up to alaska this summer but definitely worth the trip to go down to Cedros. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you, you had mentioned earlier that you went down with your pops to Loretto too, in Baja and all that stuff. That must've been cool. Yeah, we did that religiously uh, from the time I was 16 to the time I was 32. Uh, we missed one year uh, due to a health issue, but we used to fish in Loretto. Uh, and it really doesn't look that much. It didn't look that much different from the time I went down in 16 to the time when I was 32. And just the, the stories that we have there about catching 30 pound squid or having a, uh, a manta ray jump two feet from the boat or almost be hit it, be hit by a, a Mako, just, just crazy stories and just mm-hmm. the most amazing fish and, and, uh, fishing in an area that, uh, you felt safe and, uh, that the people, uh, down there really appreciated us being there. And, uh, so we, we did this thing where we'd always bring our, our coolers down there filled with sporting equipment. Um, and then, so we were kind of leaving something there for them and in return for bringing something back. But, you know, stories about 40 pound Dorado and sailfish on my birthday and all just kinds of crazy stuff. It was just the, the best time. And, uh, lost my father in 2015, but those, those memories and the, and the same things he'd say over and over again, uh, on purpose, you know, just, uh, ring true. And the same mm-hmm. jokes he'd tell me then I'm telling to my sons now. So it, it goes full circle, but just truly you, a mag- magical place. Oh yeah. I, so I actually grew up doing more or less the same thing, but with La Paz, um, uh-huh. I know my grandfather, my, my, uh, my dad, my uncles and my cousins and all that, we would make that trip down to La Paz every single year. And, I mean, it's just a different place, especially, you know, back then, um, you know, I'm not terribly old, but, you know, it's, it's just a remarkable place Baja is. And um, also the memories that you make are just unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes flying on Aero California made those memories even more sweet when, uh, you know, that, that, that airline is no longer in existence and I'm completely aware of the reasons why. So getting there is half the fun. <laughs> yeah. I remember Aero California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you, uh, have you been able to, uh, or have you gotten a chance to take your boys down South to Loretto or, or Baja? Nope, not, not yet. We fished uh, the furthest South we've been uh, is, is San Diego. I've gotten a little bit more conservative on flying with them right now. Uh, but we've, uh, like you mentioned, we fished Alaska last year. And so we're going North. That was on my bucket list with my dad and we never got to do that. So we fished, um, uh, an Island outside of Ketchikan last, uh, two years ago. And then we're going up to Ninilchuk, uh, this summer for my son's high school graduation. Very cool, man. Very cool. So, you know, you, you talked about the calico bass. I know that's, you know, really the main species that the calico conservation deal is, is, um, focused on, but then also you probably enjoy catching spotties and sandies and all the above. I mean, do you have a particular favorite out of the three bass species? Spotted bay bass without blinking an eye. I just, uh, just such a tough, tough fish. And, Mm -hmm. 
they are they you catch them on uh, you know just we we catch them exclusively on plastics. They're very prevalent, you know, on the harbors all down here. And once again, it's a species that's uh, indigenous just to California and down uh, in the northern parts of Baja. And so it's our fish, and we want to protect our fish. But some of my most memorable days with uh, uh, with both of my boys is uh, you know uh, dock hopping for lack of a better term, and without uh, waiving my Fifth Amendment rights, um, <laughs> you know, just, just catching them off of seawalls and catching a two-pound fish or a three-pound fish, which, you know, you feel like you've hooked into a freight, freight train, but they are, uh, they're just so much fun to catch. And once again, it's all about access. It's a fish that's accessible from the shore, um, which is, it, it, you know, it's, it's a uh, fish for the common folk, the people that don't own boats. And, and uh, it, it's just one of the beauties of fishing. So I have to ask, what's what's the biggest body you've actually been able to, to manage to pull? Well, it, you know, I'm a lawyer, uh, so I usually <laughs> tend to exaggerate things and you can't. Uh, it was probably about two and a half pounds. Okay. I don't I don't bring measuring tapes. I kind of we, we we travel light without a Boca grip or anything like that. Uh, but uh, my son, I think once again, my son's always catch bigger fish than I do. Uh, he probably got one that was north of three. And it's the biggest spotty that I've ever seen in person. And uh, just just hanging out underneath the dock on a uh, uh, you know probably about nine o'clock at night and just bam we didn't I thought it was a big I thought it was a big uh, sand bass when when I first saw color on it but it was a huge spotty huge spotty so and they're fun too we catch them from we have a boat in the marina and we we catch them right underneath our dock there and and down Long Beach Harbor is a great spot Mission Bay all the all the bays and docks that they're usually holding fish I've even heard of a good bite up north. Uh, as far north as uh, Ventura Harbor and, and Oxnard has them as well. So you've mentioned your sons quite a bit already. I know, you know, probably as a dad, you know, fishing and, you know, obviously baseball too, but fishing in particular, it probably holds something near and dear to your heart where it's an opportunity to um, not only to go fishing, but also to really spend some quality time with your boys. Right. And I'm to the point now, I, I don't, I think I'm more along the lines of appreciating it now than my dad did at this age. You know, I, I understand that like you and I mentioned catching the fish is just one part of the entire equation. And it starts, uh, you know, the excitement starts, Hey, we're going out on Saturday and that's when the excitement start excitement starts. And then driving down there, we have talks and, you know, sing, sing, you know, heavy metal songs on the way down there and just, be and learn about each other and spend time with each other and uh you know getting the boat ready we each have we have a, a 23 foot um parker in the marina and we each have responsibilities there so it's a matter of teamwork and uh you know i've got one son that's my navigator that tells me where to go i got another son that's my de- deckhand and i just pilot the boat and drop a bait every once in a while or throw a, a plastic every once in a while so it's just a team effort. And if we are, we have some fish to show for it at the end of the day, great. If we not, if we don't, you know, we come back and we've still got a great memory of, uh, you know, being out on the water together or uh, just, just being, you know, and that's, uh, they're not going to remember fish when I'm, you know, no longer on this earth. They're going to remember conversations and hopefully some wisdom and hopefully some stories about their grandparents and, and things along those lines. And to me, that's what it's all about. It's not about meet on the table as much as it is uh, just uh, getting to know each other and, and learning. 
and interacting, yeah. God forbid, especially in this day and age with video games. You know, my kids don't go upstairs and lock themselves in and play whatever the current video game is. I'm so tuned out with that. They're out playing baseball or, or fishing or doing something to, uh, to experience life other than by looking at a screen. That's cool. I mean, you don't really hear that too often nowadays, especially with all the technology and, and video games, like you said, and all that stuff. But, you know, fishing is a way, you know, not only to bond with your sons, but also for people to bond with, you know, grandparents or parents or even just the nieces and nephews or just a random dude that, you know, just happened to be on the same boat as you that could turn into a lifelong friend that it's kind of interesting how the industry and how the whole um, activity, the sport that we love, it, it works in mysterious ways. Yeah. And I feel like a lot more of that, the importance of human interaction has been stressed as to versus when I started fishing, you know, back, back in the uh, early eighties. And it is more of a, people are a little bit, they, they want interaction. They, people want to interact and be with other people, uh, especially now. Um, but, uh, it just, the, 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 uh, the tradition component of it and just being a family and doing something together or, or exposing somebody who maybe I've got friends who, you know, they probably get sick in the Harbor. Hey, can you take my son out fishing? Absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, see a dolphin swimming in its nat natural habitat. The guy was fascinated that he saw seals, you know, it's, it's, uh, everything is a matter of perspective and, and sometimes you take that for granted, but we don't, you know, we don't, we, uh, we understand that, you know, you see a MOLA that might be something nobody else in their life has ever saw, saw, or, or laughed at, or wondered, you know, you know, that God's got a sense of humor when you see one of those things floating around. Um, so it's just a matter of appreciating what you have. And that's the importance of, of, uh, and that's the main driving force behind Calico conservation is to make sure you appreciate what you have. Um, before before it's gone and I, I think that that we're moving in that direction to uh to become a lot more aware of the importance of that fish and the other species of bass for that matter it's funny that you say that because you know I, i've been noticing a big trend in you know in the groms the short ponders the you know the, the younger generation coming up to where they've got so much respect for the species itself where you know, it's almost unheard of to keep a bass where it's just almost like a religion. Yeah. Kind of like a religion to where, you know, if you're going out and pulling on bass all day long, it's, it's super, super fun to do, but you would never, you would never take one home. Well, absolutely. And you know what I was thinking about it, just as you were saying that Chris is, is maybe the advent of the camera phone has helped that, you know, that you don't have to bring home a, uh, you know, a, a full bag of fish to have the pictures taken and that you got a picture here, boom, take a snap, a picture, let it go. So I think that maybe that's one component of it too, but it's just, uh, you know, we, we almost look like that as a, you know, a sacred being when we catch, I know that's a little bit far-fetched, but it's, uh, we take great care to, to make sure that they're, they're treated appropriately and released so that somebody else can hopefully have the same experience that, uh, that we had. Yeah. And, you know, to make it clear too, there's nothing wrong with taking, taking illegal bass by any means or, or whatnot, or taking what you need um, to feed your family or, or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think the more people that do practice the conservation aspect with the bass in particular, um, rather than, you know, a fast growing pelagic fish or anything like that, I think that's, that's super cool and super important. 
Yeah, and, and the Calico Conservation Group that we formed is, is it's education without judgment. You know, it's not that we're, uh, you know, like Greenpeace and, and going out there and getting our boat between uh, the rail and, and your Calico bass and cutting lines or anything like that. We simply just want people to realize uh, the importance of the fish, the importance of the, the fishery and the ramifications of, of uh, you know, their actions. And like, like I said, you know, we've caught bass that have been foul hooked and that wouldn't survive. Uh, but we don't, we just don't choose to do that just because of what we've learned about the fish. Uh, it's slow to grow. Uh, so we let them go. And that's our personal decision. And if we can get more people to subscribe to that school of thought, great. If you want to keep your fair share, great, more power to you. You're supporting the industry, but we would like to do, uh, to approach it where we're supporting the long-term benefits of, of the industry. Yeah. Well put, well put my friend. And I think with, you know, it existed way back when it's bringing, or it's being, it's being brought back up now by you and, and your family and all that. Um, you know, I think you kind of already answered this, but you know, what really drove you to really pick up the baton on that whole movement and, and, uh, and carry the, the load for that. Just something that I was doing that I just thought, Hey, you know, if I can wear a piece of clothing that encourages somebody to, to ask me a question or, or to think about what they're doing, then great. You know, I'm going to wear a fishing sweatshirt anywhere. Anyway, why not have a message with it? And, uh, you know, AFCO has been great with that, with their, with, with their support and Matt Florentino and very supportive uh, of our efforts. And we're just trying to get the conversation going, you know, and it's, and it's not like, uh, you know, sometimes when you look at social media and people going back and forth, it's, it's worse than presidential elections, you know, um, mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't need to be that way. It's uh, hear what we have to say, learn the facts and make your own decision. Whatever decision you make is completely within your, uh, you know, your, it, it's completely what you're willing to, to do and live with. And from our standpoint, we, uh, we've got enough fishing, you know, from rockfish season and from our trip to Alaska, where there's no shortage of salmon or what have you, that we don't see the need. And I just wish the fish didn't taste so darn good. You know, <laughs> I, I wish the calico bass tasted like, uh, you know, old mackerel, and then we wouldn't have this problem. But like I said, you know, even, even knowing that we would choose to make sure that the, that the species is preserved and, and, um, given every chance to, to, uh, to thrive in our waters. Yeah. Well said for sure. For sure. Well, I know we're, you know, towards the uh, beginning of the year and all that stuff. What, uh, what kind of big plans do you have for 2022, Greg? What, uh, what do you hope to accomplish this year with the brand, with your boat and all that stuff? Any, any uh, goals of yours? Oh, sure. Uh, my first goal is to, to attend a live baseball game. I hope that the, uh, <laughs> the strike is, is averted. Uh, my plans for spring training have kind of been put on hold. But on a non-baseball front, uh, from the brand, as you call it, it uh, I just like to, you know, as I mentioned before, we, we donate to CCA California 10% uh, of all sales, without question, whether it's a $2 sticker or a $30 sweatshirt, 10% goes to you. Uh, Thank you. My pleasure, my pleasure. And I'm not doing this to make money. Um, I have a, a job that drives me to fish that, that, uh, that, that makes me the money. So I'm just trying to spread the word and, and get people out there just talking it up and letting people know of the importance. And the more I think you learn about that, the, the more I think that 
you know, maybe instead of taking five, you take three, you know, every, every fish is a, is uh, the potential to give rise to millions of fish. So that's how I think of it. So just to increase the awareness, maybe get some more shirts and uh, sweatshirts and stuff out there. I'm going to renew my efforts in that regard. And then personally from my boat, I'd like to uh, finally, I'm only a boat owner since March of last year. And uh, last year, I guess the season wasn't that great for, for pelagics, at least for, for beginning boaters like me. So I'd like to put something with a yellow tail on my boat uh, and uh, want to venture out, see if I can get out to Santa Barbara Island. Uh, and I'm in Marina del Rey, so that's quite a haul. But I uh, want to put some pelagics on. I want uh, just to get out on the water as much as possible with my boys and, and keep experiencing uh, the, the beautiful fishery that we have uh, right in our backyard. As a new boat owner, how is that learning curve from going from fishing on other people's boats to fishing on your boat? Well, you should probably ask the people that uh, that dock their boats next to me about how that learning curve is. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't realize that docking was as difficult as it is. But, uh, you know, I have a friend who, who whose motto is slow is pro. So I usually come back into the turn into my slip at about like a half a knot. So I just take my time and the slower I go, the better I do. So the learning curve is huge. Uh, the concept of finding your fish, your own fish huge learning curve, but so, so rewarding. And, uh, you know, I love fishing sporties. I love fishing with people that know how to fish much better than I do. Um, you know, but I, uh, just the concept of being able to say, Hey, Chris, I'm out of here. I'm going down to my boat, jump on and go pull on a bass off of a rock in the Santa Monica Bay that I found is so, so rewarding. It's like, I'd rather catch and release, uh, one bass that I found than, than, uh, uh, 50 that somebody else found. So it's just so, so rewarding. So you you own it, you own it. And it's, uh, it's not just, uh, putting a bait on a hook in the right way and, and soaking it. It's a matter of, uh, you know, getting the boat out of the, out of the, uh, the Harbor, the correct way, finding the spot and getting back safely. So it's just a whole new, new dynamic that, that, that we absolutely love. Absolutely. Well, I know we have to get uh, get you out of here shortly, but I would be totally remiss in not asking you about your other passion, baseball. I know you know we're on Zoom right now, and I see all kinds of memorabilia and all that. And I, I mean, you just told me in the break about your cool website and all these projects that you do. This this is awesome, man. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, well, baseball has basically been my family's religion, or at least my religion, since the age of eight when I opened my first pack of baseball cards. Uh, August 9th, 1974. So, and the, you know, the love affair started then and, and uh, just, you know, every, every year I'm 56 now, every year I appreciate and love the sport more. Same with fishing too, to be honest with you. Um, but just for me, from the historical standpoint of, of baseball, it's really tracks the history of the United States. And, you know, it's interesting to look back and see how it pushed people apart. And then eventually, uh, slowly brought people together. And, um, you know, now to the point where we have players in the Negro leagues that are represented in the baseball hall of fame. So I just love the history. I love the science. And, um, there was a writer that once said, you know, it's okay if, uh, you don't understand or like the game of baseball, we don't have to be friends. You know, it's something <laughs> like that. It's, it's, uh, to me, if you, if you don't get it, you don't get it. Um, but uh, I played all the way up through college. Uh, I have two sons that uh, uh, both were ex 
excellent at baseball. I have one that, uh, unfortunately, like his father and mother, uh, has chosen to pursue a career in law. He's 20. Uh, my 17-year-old is still playing, and he's all league, all valley, all area in the San Fernando Valley at Granada Hills High School. Uh, fantastic baseball player, also a better fisherman than I am. And uh, I also paid for law school um, by selling off a portion of my baseball card collection. And uh, that was, uh, I was buying Roots and Garrigs and Cobbs back in 1975 uh, and 76 while people were still buying, you know, the packs of cards that were a nickel or a dime back then. And uh, so I was able to parlay that into, uh, you know, quite a good investment. And, uh, you know, I wish I, I wish I still had those cards because I'd be, uh, I'd have a much bigger boat. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, just the love of the game, just absolutely love the game. What love watching baseball, whether it be a T-ball game at the local little league uh, to a minor league game in Las Vegas to a major league game uh, to me, like fishing is fishing, baseball is baseball. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're catching a uh, eight-inch uh, barred surf perch out off of the peninsula at Marina del Rey, or or uh, catching a blue, you know, bluefin tuna off the the quarry in Catalina. It's uh, baseball, just the same way to me. It's like just there's something to see and something to learn from every game that you ever watch. So, you mentioned my craft. I uh, after I stopped coaching my boys, which have, you know, you turn over the keys and when they go to high school, you can't uh, coach either directly or indirectly at that point anymore. I started using my spare time to make, uh, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, tchotchkes out of baseballs. I use all professional baseballs and I make Christmas trees and and um, snowman, bat flags, all with a historical uh, nod. Um, I recently uh, created a menorah made out of baseballs. Well, actually one baseball and a bat that's now being sold at the Baseball Hall of Fame. And when I got the call that they were going to do that, I, I don't want somebody to pull my man card right now, but I got a little misty eyed knowing that uh, something that I made is, is going to be sold at, uh, at the Mecca of baseball. So uh, Dude, that is awesome. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, unlike Pete Rose, I'm in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you know, for those of you on Facebook, after you go get uh, your calico conservation gear, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, but I believe it's custom baseball gifts by Greg on Facebook. That that's correct. Yeah. They check. I usually post some of the stuff that I make, or, uh, you can look at my other Facebook page, which is just Greg K Garfinkel. Uh, and I also have a website. I don't know if you want me to plug that. Sure which is www.baseballadays.com, B-A-S-E-B-A-L-L-I-D-A-Y-S.com. And that kind of shows some of the things that I make. But most of my stuff is custom, player-specific or team-specific or era-specific. So that's what I do instead of coaching my kids and driving their head coach crazy by yelling from the stands. <laughs> and honestly, if you guys have not seen Greg's Facebook page or any of the other brand Facebook page, this is some really cool stuff. It's really unique things that you just make. This is, this is awesome, man. Well, thanks, Chris. I, I, yeah. I enjoy doing that. And just the concept of being creative, um, the, the, the kind of sad sub story to this is that my wife was very creative and uh, I lost my wife in 2012. Uh, but thing, but people think that I'm channeling her through this creative side, which didn't start for for, for many years later, but it's, uh, 
you know, it's kind of a nod to her and, and also enables me to, uh, to, to fill my cup, you know, to, to bring happiness to others since I'm not doing so as an attorney, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you got to find what God gave you and, and try to make the best out of it. Absolutely. Well said, my friend. Well, I know we have to get going, but uh, Greg, how do we get a hold of you? How do we get our hands on some calico conservation stuff and uh, also some really cool baseball merchandise? Well, uh, uh, calico conservation, which is why I'm here talking to you, is uh, www.calicoconservation.com. I also have a calico conservation page on Facebook. and uh, like on that page, you send me a, a photo of a successful release um, or vouch that you did one. I'll send you a sticker. Just PM me your, your address and I'll send it to you. No strings attached other than to slap it somewhere where it's going to get people talking about the importance of the uh, to the cause. And um, so I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, the web. And then um, let's see. Oh, with, with respect to the baseball uh, items that I make, that's www.baseballadays.com. And I think I already gave you the spelling on that, baseballadays.com. And uh, that's it. It's been truly a pleasure, pleasure talking to you today, Chris. Absolutely, my friend. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, glad to have you. Guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. Like I said, make sure you go follow us on our, all of our social media stuff. Check out our website. Listen to the podcast. We definitely appreciate all of the support that uh, has been shown to us already. And we're really looking forward to the future. Greg, my man, thank you so much for being here, my friend. It's been a pleasure. Anytime, Chris. Pleasure was mine. Absolutely. Guys, we will see you guys next week. Thank you so much.